Awesome. Well, it's good to be together with all of you here this weekend, whether you're in the, in the room, in person, like Steve mentioned, or if you're catching us on live stream, we're so glad that you're able to be with us as well. And I'm super pumped today because we are beginning a brand new series uh, that is kind of our Christmas series that's going to be leading us into Christmas. And so that is a series that's going to be called With. And so let me just start off the series by just saying to all of you, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. And uh, so I'm super excited about the Christmas season that's upon us and excited about this series where we have a chance to really fix our heart and our hope on uh, Jesus and, of course, what that means for us, especially in a season like this. I actually thought maybe kind of a a good question to begin uh, our series and and this whole Christmas series off might be this. Uh, Let me just ask you this question. For those who are in the room, show a hand. And if you're online, you can put your hand up too, and I, even though I won't see it, uh, God will. Uh, but uh, quick, quick show of hands is um, how many of you this year, uh, in part, it may be partially or totally, set up Christmas decorations earlier than you had in years past? Just show of hands. How many of you were like, yeah, putting some Christmas? Okay, good. All right, uh, follow-up question, number two. How many of you set up Christmas stuff, at least some of it, maybe all of it, before Thanksgiving this year? I mean, you guys did okay. All right, good. About the same number of people. How many of you, last question, how many of you set up Christmas stuff not days before Thanksgiving, but a week or more? Show of hands. Okay, there's a few of us in the room who might be that way. Okay, so the, the reason I asked that question is because, get this, this year, I set up my Christmas lights on my house the week after Halloween, like legit, set them up on my house outside. Now, typically I'm a purist, right? So I'm kind of the traditional militant, not until the day after Thanksgiving. Like you have to wait for one holiday to pass before you start celebrating the other. And usually I'm pretty particular about that. Uh, But this year I kind of changed my tune and for a couple reasons. So first off, the reason I set them up then was because the week after Halloween this year, it was like 70 degrees out. You remember that? And I was looking for a reason to be outside, and I was like, you know what? Why don't I just do it right now? And I did. And the other reason I did is because I thought if there ever was a year where there could be an exception to the rule, this is it, right? I'm like, dude, I need something hopeful to look at. I want something controllable. And so I want to put the lights up, and I did. And, um, and so anyway, the reason I asked that is because if you're a person who raised your hand, which many of you did, uh, I don't know if you know this, but you're actually part of a national trend. And so there's actually a national trend going on right now. There's a bunch of news articles that are kind of releasing stuff that are saying that more and more people, there's an uptick of people putting up Christmas decorations this year a little bit earlier. And of course, all these different articles explain why they think that is, but I think it's probably pretty obvious to most of us that a lot of it is because of the uniqueness of what this year has carried with it. Some of us are just looking for something that brings hope in the middle of a difficult and challenging year. Maybe for some of us, honestly, maybe for some of us, we are just trying to fast forward this thing uh, so that we can get ourselves out of 2020. And there's a lot of different things that are around that. But here's my point. My point is that this year, uh, I think without a doubt, uh, COVID is going to make Christmas unique. It's just going to make it uh, unique. It's going to be Uh, Christmas unlike probably any other that we've experienced because this will be our first time uh, going through a COVID Christmas. None of us have ever done this before. And so we're gonna be uh, navigating through this time and through this season. And I think because of that, um, it's actually kind of interesting. For the past couple of months, I actually had something originally planned for the way that we wanted to start our series here, our Christmas series. And so I've had that 
kind of in, in the works and was planning on doing something specific here today as we begin this series. But over the last couple of weeks, I actually, um, actually decided to shift a little bit and do something a little different than I had originally planned. And um, there's a couple reasons for that. One is because of some of the uniquenesses that uh, we've seen over the past couple of weeks in our own community. And another reason is because of um, a number of conversations that I've been in with folks who are part of our church family and folks who are in our life and in our community about some of what they're navigating through right now. And so I wanted to take some time and maybe do something a little bit, a little bit different. As you guys know, uh, here in Medina County and then also in Summit County and some other neighboring counties, uh, we are in what they call level purple. And so what that means, of course, is it means that the COVID wave is hitting us and hitting our community in a unique way and maybe in a heightened way. And uh, we're seeing that play out even within our own church family. And so there's many folks uh, right now who have either had COVID, uh, some of you uh, maybe even right now who are watching maybe have COVID. Uh, Some of us have been going through that. I think a lot of us know people who have had it. And then, of course, we know of folks in our church who've lost people uh, to COVID in this season. Of course, we mourn with those who might be in that spot. And so it's a little challenging. And then, of course, that's the, the fact that there's this heightened wave. It's already on top of the last 10 months of, let's just be honest, a super challenging season, right? And the last 10 months, a lot of us have been really trying to shift and adapt to the scenery that's around us. And so many of us have had to shift and adapt the way we do work. And uh, that's changed. And then many of us have shifted and adapted the way that we do school, you know, and whether you're in college or whether you're in high school or middle school, and you know, are we online, are we in person, and it fluctuates a little bit, and some of you are business owners, and my goodness, the complexities and the challenges that come with navigating through a season like this, and it's an ever-changing you know, landscape in front of us. And, uh, and then, of course, here at church, right? Here at church, trying to figure out different paradigms and shifting different things to try to accommodate to all of that, and it's just been a lot this past year. And then uh, some of us had to already shift Thanksgiving this year in light of COVID. And now, and now looking forward to Christmas, uh, we're preparing to shift yet again and adapt our Christmas plans to what that might look like. Some of you, there might even be family members who you haven't seen in person for months throughout this whole time. And all, all I'm saying, and I'm just, I'm just saying what we all know, and that's just, it's been, it's gonna been, it's been a challenging year and we're about to enter into uh, a COVID Christmas, which is going to be unique, like nothing we've ever really experienced before. Uh, this past week, I was at uh, Life Group, and uh, my Life Group, probably like many of your Life Groups, we're doing that thing where we are partly in person and partly on Zoom, and kind of like we're doing this service right now. There's many of you in person, there's many of you who are joining us online. And we just asked this last week, we just asked a simple question. This is the question I asked, and we just went around, and we just, this is the question we asked. We just said, hey, in light of COVID, in light of everything I just said, right, all the complexities and all the stuff we're trying to navigate, just said, how are you doing? Just how are you doing? It just, I mean, personally, you know, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, how are you doing? And then we just said this. We said, give yourself a grade, okay? So A, B, C, D, or F, grade yourself. How are you doing? I'll tell you, it generated some pretty interesting conversation, I think, within our group. And um, the, the reason I put this up here is because I wonder... I wonder if I asked you that question, if I asked you this morning, hey, in light of COVID, in light of everything that's going on with your business and with work and with school and with family, and how are you doing? 
How you doing? You know, well, how'd you grade yourself? I, I wonder what, you, what letter grade you would give yourself. Uh, maybe for some of you, uh, you might say, you know what, honestly, you might be saying, I'm actually doing okay. I'm actually doing pretty good. Maybe you'd give yourself an A or a B. And maybe you would say, you know, I don't think anybody wants to be in a global pandemic, right? It's not ideal. But some of you might be saying, but you know what? Like our family's doing okay and, uh, and things are going all right. And not a lot has changed for us and we're still able to see the people that we care about and we're actually doing okay. Or maybe for you, you give yourself an A or B and maybe it's because things have changed a lot. And maybe for you, some things have changed in a healthy way. Maybe there's been some rhythms that have been introduced into your family or maybe there's some new paradigms that are actually better in, in your life. And you, you might be saying, you know, honestly, I, I hate to say it, but I'm actually doing pretty good. And if that's the case, then that's, that's great. But maybe some of you, maybe for, for some of you right now, um, like if you were just being super honest, you'd say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not doing okay. I'm just not. Some of you, maybe you'd say you're a C or a D or a D minus, or maybe you might even say that you're an F, and there's different reasons, right? For some of you, maybe the anxiety of this time, you know, you're experiencing a heightened sense of anxiety like you haven't before. Maybe for you, you're fearful. Maybe for you, that's, you know, that, that's what's happening is there's just, there's this heightened thing going on and you're just not, you're not doing well. Maybe you're exhausted from all this. Maybe for some of you, maybe you're not scared or anxious about any of this. You're just mad. Like you're just frustrated. You're upset at what's happening and you're mad and by the way people are responding and interacting and maybe that's you. Maybe you're like, you know what? I'm a D because I'm just mad about what's going on. Or what about this? Maybe for some of you, maybe you're battling an addiction and you were doing okay and then isolation hit and now it's like kicking your butt and you just cannot seem to, to overcome whatever the thing is. And maybe for you, you're not doing good. And Listen, here's, my, here's what I'm saying. Is I think all of us might be in different spots. Can I even encourage you to do this? Here, here's, here's something I would challenge you to do. Maybe after today's message, with your family or with the people you're connected, maybe even just ask this question. Maybe just ask it. Say, hey, you know, Pastor Tony asked that question in light of COVID, how are you doing? A, B, C, D, F, give yourself a grade. I think it actually might be a good conversation to have. And you might be surprised to hear uh, what some of the people in your life might have to say. But regardless of how you might grade yourself here this morning, what I wanted to do, what I wanted to do today was I wanted to spend the time that we have, and I actually just wanted to take this weekend to um, hopefully, God willing, give you some encouragement in the midst of such a, such a complicated and complex time. That was my hope, was just to maybe offer some encouragement. And uh, I'll be honest with you guys, when I was originally thinking about shifting my plan for this weekend, I was reluctant to do it. And the reason I was reluctant to do it was because uh, of something that uh, the book of James says, something I've been trying to practice in this season. So for the past 10 months, one of the things I've been trying to practice is this verse. So James 1.19 says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And I've been really, really wanting to be slow to speak over the past few months. And the reasons is because I feel like right now there's so many people who are, and there's so many voices that are just so quick to try to say, this is what's going on. This is why it's happening. This is who to blame. And this is what to do about it. And uh, I feel like there's just this pressure and this urgency 
to come to conclusions about what we need to do and about how we need to make sense of this. And here, here's the honest truth. I don't, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know the, all of the purposes of what's going on. I don't understand it. To be honest with you, I'm confused about what's going on. Um, and so I, don't, I didn't wanna come to you with conclusions, partly because I don't have any. And secondly, because we're not done yet. We're still in the midst of this. I mean, for, whether we like it or not, we're still kind of in the midst of this thing. And so my hope today was not to come to you with conclusions, but my hope was actually to do this. I just wanted to share with you very simply what God has been teaching me over the past 10 months in this season. And so here's what I do know. As much as I don't understand, there are very, very specific things that I believe that the Lord is teaching me and is showing me and is rubbing into me through this time. And so my hope was just to share with you those very specific things. Now, again, I am not at all saying that I am done learning and that God is done teaching me. I think there's still more to go, uh, but I can tell you that there are very, very specific things that I feel like God is showing me. And I thought that maybe I would just share those things. And so if you are part of the Medina East Campus family, if you're part of our church here, uh, I just want you to kind of take this as um, your pastor and your brother in Christ just sharing with you some of my reflections the past 10 months, okay? Now, if you're not part of the Medina East Campus family, you don't know me, you're new here, or if you're investigating Jesus or you're connecting online for the first time and you don't know me, then you can just take this as random reflections from a random, highly attractive guy, all right? And so there you go. So you're welcome for that, all right? But what I wanted to give you, uh, all kidding aside, is I just wanted to give you three reflections partway through COVID, all right? So this is just... Three reflections partway through COVID. Now, let me again, let me just say this. All three of these reflections I'm gonna share with you, I want you to understand they're deeply personal to me. They're deeply, because this is what God has, has been showing and has been teaching me. And all three of these reflections, all three of them came out of my personal time with God. All right, so what I mean by that, that might sound weird to some of you when I say that, but what I mean by that is one of the things I try to practice in my life, I don't do it perfectly, but it's something that I try to do is I try to every morning uh, spend time in the presence of Jesus. And what that looks like for me is it's, uh, I try to make my first cup of coffee with the Lord. And so I get my Bible and I pray and I try to just be in his presence and hear from God. I can just tell you, by the way, that has been one of the most life altering uh, habits that I've ever put in my life. I would highly commend you to do that. But uh, all three of these came out of those times. Now they didn't come at one time, these three reflections came throughout the past 10 months and they came at different times. They came at pivotal moments and I just wanna tell you that they were personally very perspective orienting and personally they were very helpful and encouraging. And so my hope today is that, that I would encourage you with these reflections. Now, when I say encourage, by the way, I mean that in the truest sense of the word. So you guys know what encourage means, right? Encourage means to take courage and to put it into somebody. That's what it means. It means to impart. So that is my hope, is that I can take some of the stuff that God's taught me and that I can impart that into you. Now, I can't promise you that these things are gonna hit you the same way that they've hit me, that they can impact you the same way that they've impacted me. But my hope is that they would. My hope and prayer is that they would. All right, so here they are. Reflection number one. Reflection number one is this. Reflection number one is that I want to be someone who trusts God not only when he allows good, 
but also when he allows trouble. Let me say it again. Reflection number one, I want to be the kind of person who doesn't just trust God when he allows good things, things that I think are good, I deem are good, and when he, and not when he allows things that are hard or challenging or something that I would interpret as trouble, all right? Let me tell you, this, this reflection came to me um, very early in the midst of all of this. So back in March, when all of this was starting to hit us in a really unique way, I was, uh, I was, in, I was in my time with the Lord, and I actually, I actually was reading through the book of Job, which I found to be pretty relevant and timely uh, in the midst of things. If you've never read the book of Job, uh, Job is like the premier book in the Bible on suffering and hardship. It's just, it's just the, the premier book on that topic. And uh, if you've ever read the book of Job, by the way, I am not at all saying that what we are going through, what most of us are going through, even is comparable to what Job went through. Uh, Job experienced a, um, just a multidimensional kind of suffering that, quite honestly, most of us will never see in our life. He experienced suffering that is to the highest degree. In fact, in the first couple of chapters of the book of Job, just to give you a quick picture, in the first couple of chapters, we see, first off, Job experiences economic collapse and, and instability. So we see that Job, um, all of his livestock are wiped out. And his livestock would have, of course, been his livelihood. And so basically, his business bombs. It's basically what happens. So that happens. And then right on the heels of that, we see that he has to uh, undergo tragic loss. And so Job actually, in a horrific accident, loses his children. I mean, just heart-wrenching. And then, to make matters worse, on the heels of that, the Bible tells us that he is afflicted with immense physical suffering. And so we see that Job's health is afflicted in such a way that his whole body is covered in these sores and he's reduced to a pile of ashes and he's scraping his wounds with broken pieces of pottery. And all this happens, by the way, in a really, really short period of time. And so just all at one time. And here's the interesting thing about Job. No one's quite sure when this book was written, the book of Job. Everyone agrees that it was old. It's a very old book. No one knows the year that it was written. But as I read it and I read all of this, I thought, you know what? I bet you I can venture a guess. I think the year this book was written was probably 2020 BC. Like if I could just, you know, throw something out there, that might have that been it. But, uh, but no, what I'm saying is that the, a lot of what we're experiencing, many of us, it just doesn't, we don't even, it doesn't even hold a candle to what Job went through. But that doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that the book of Job doesn't have something to offer to all suffering, no matter how, how intense it might be. And uh, I'll tell you, this is what hit me. Uh, when I was reading the book of Job that morning, uh, what really hit me was his response to all of this. And some of you might, might remember this, but here's what happens. All of this takes place in the first couple of chapters. And then in chapter two, the Bible says that Job's wife comes to him. And Job's wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Are you, still, are you still trying to do the right thing? Are you still worshiping God? Are you still trying to praise him and trust him? And she said, why don't you just curse God and die? That was her response. And that might seem pretty brutal, but let's just, I think maybe it's good for us to give her a little grace. Now, let's remember that she also had just lost her children and that she was in a place of immense suffering and that she was in a place of confusion as well. And so you can hear her frustration, right? Let's give her a little grace. These are words that are coming out of a very broken place. But I want you to notice what Job says. And this is, gosh, this is what I just found so astonishing. 
Job said to his wife, you're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And the Bible says, in all of this, Job did not sin in what he said. And I'll be honest with you guys. When I was sitting there and I was reading that that morning, that just hit me and it impacted me. When I saw Job's response, am I going to accept good from God and not accept trouble? And it astonished me because here's what Job just said. Job just said, I don't want to be the kind of person, I don't want to be the kind of person who just praises and thanks God when he gives me the things that I want and the things that I deem are good. But then when he allows trouble and challenge and hardship into my life, that I'm quick to turn away from him or I'm quick to deny him or I'm quick to turn my back on him in frustration. He said, I don't want to be someone like that. And so I want to be someone who knows God and trusts God and says, God, if it's, if it's good, then I'm going to accept that from you. And if it's hard, then I trust you. And I just trust you. And that just hit me because I'll tell you what, what happens to me. And maybe my guess is maybe this is true for some of you, but maybe I'm just speaking for myself. I know for me, it's easy for me to praise God. It's easy for me to thank God when everything is going as planned, right? It's easy for me to praise God when, when, when plans are succeeding, when the economy is healthy, when my kids are healthy, when our family, when the church is healthy, when, when, when I can plan for more than a month at a time, it's easy for me in those moments to say, thank you, God. Look at how God is blessing us. God, we gladly receive these things from your hand. And by the way, I think we should. I think we should. I think we should praise God in those times, right? The Bible's gonna tell us in the book of James, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. We ought to say thank you to God in those times. But here's, here's what can happen sometimes. And I found this in my own heart. That sometimes I can go from being in a place where I accept good things from God to a place where I expect good things from God. God, I expect you to give me the things that I desire. I expect you to do the things that I want. I expect it to go the way that I want it to. But then, then when things are challenging, when things are hard, when things don't go the way, when, when, when I don't understand it, it's confusing. I could just say, sometimes so quickly, I can be like Job's wife. And I can be tempted to resign myself to frustration with my circumstances or frustration with God. And, and when I read this, I just thought to myself, God, I don't want to be, don't want to be like that. I want to be a child who's willing to accept good things from my father. And I want to be a child who trusts my father enough that if he's going to allow challenge and suffering and hardship, it's because he's got something in mind that I don't see. And so for me, that happened at the very beginning of all of this. And I'll be honest with you, it gave me a lot of confidence and it gave me a lot of strength. And my hope is that for some of you, it would do the same thing. It would give you confidence that it would increase your trust. This is an opportunity to increase your trust in your father who loves you. That leads me to the second thing. Reflection number two is this. I want to learn the new song that God is teaching. I want to learn this new song that I believe with all my heart that God is teaching me, and I believe if we're willing to, he is teaching us, for those of us who follow Christ. Now, 
I'll tell you, this, this reflection, I remember exactly when this happened. It was in August. Uh, in August, I think if I asked you guys how, you, how you're doing through the past 10 months, a lot of you would say maybe it was like this. There's ups and downs. And this happened to be one of those low points for me. In August, it was a time where I felt particularly exhausted. Uh, we were facing a lot of comp- complicated decisions at the church, and, and there was a lot of opinions, and there was a lot of, uh, a lot of emotions and those kind of things. And I, I was just, you know, in, in, in not, not the best spot. And so I was, uh, I was going to the Lord in the morning, and in my time with God, I came, I, I came to Psalm 40. And God used this passage so profoundly in that moment, and I just thought I'd share it with you, all right? So Psalm 40, this is a Psalm of David, and he says this. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me, and he heard my cry. And he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. And he put a new song in my mouth, he put a hymn of praise to our God. So let me tell you why this impacted me. I was studying this in that morning uh, in my time with the Lord, and I was going through this passage, and I was looking carefully at what David said here. And, you know, so D- King David apparently is in a bad situation. You can see that. He uses, we don't know what was going on, but he uses poetic language to explain that he was in a rough spot. And then he talks about how God pulled him out of that spot, and he brought him to a good place. But here's what really hit me. I don't know if you noticed this. At the end, he says that God put a new song in my mouth, and he put a hymn of praise to our God. That's what he said. That got me thinking. And it really hit me because, uh, well, let me put it to you this way. All right, so I've told you guys this before. I'm a, I'm a, a guy who uh, just, I love music. I'm a music guy. I've always been my whole life. I just, I really love and appreciate music. And I genuinely pretty much like just about every genre of music. I don't know, I can appreciate something about pretty much every kind of music. I just love it. And uh, as someone who loves music, I can just tell you that there are songs that I like. There's songs that I really like and I think are really good. But there's another category of songs. There's songs that mean something to me. And those are very, very different, right? And so uh, I'll, give you a, I'll give you an example. Here's a silly, just a silly example for you. One of the songs that I don't just like, but it means something to me, is uh, you guys know that, um, that Beach Boys song? Uh, you know, the Beach Boys, were like, some of you guys are like, who are the Beach Boys? Long time ago, uh, there was this band called the Beach Boys. It came out with this song called Wouldn't It Be Nice, all right? So it's, this song was out before I was born. I grew up listening to the song on the radio. I like the song, okay? But the song didn't mean anything to me until I started dating my wife, Jessica. And when Jess and I first started dating, very quickly, I was like, this is the girl that I want to marry. Like, I was just head over heels, and, and she was too. <laughs> and uh, now we, we fell in love, we fell in love, and it, you guys know the thrill of that, right? Just the thrill of being in love. And I remember we wanted to spend every waking moment that we could together, and so every opportunity I got, I would drive down to see her. We lived about 45 minutes apart, and I would drive down, and I, we would spend time together. And I remember at the end of the night, we always had to say, we always had to say goodnight, and I had, you know, I had to be at work the next morning early, but we never wanted to say goodbye, right? We just wanted to be together. And so we'd stay up as late as we could, just staring into each other's eyes or whatever we were doing. And then we would have to say goodbye. And it would be like, it was like pulling two magnets apart. It was like so, like it took us forever to finally say goodbye. And then I would get in my car and I would try to drive back home and like try to stay awake 
to get back home. And then I was a zombie the next day at work. But I didn't care because I was in love, right? And I just, I loved it. And I remember one day, Jess and I were in the car and we were driving somewhere. And that song came on the radio, Wouldn't It Be Nice? And I've heard that song a million times growing up. I liked that song, but I never paid attention to the lyrics. And then that day, we listened to the song and both of us were like, this guy, this guy must know what we're experiencing right now. Do you guys ever, do you guys ever, you guys know the lyrics to the song? All right, so I'll just, I'll show them. Here, here they are, okay? Wouldn't it be nice? You can even sing it in your head if you want to. Wouldn't it be nice? So wouldn't it be nice if we were older, then we wouldn't have to wait so long? And wouldn't it be nice to live together in the kind of world that we belong? You know it's gonna make it that much better when we can say goodnight and stay together. And I remember when we heard those lyrics, I remember I was like, Beach Boys, Brian Wilson, you know my heart. You are putting into song form what I'm going through right now. And both of us, this song became so, so meaningful to us. We actually would even write little notes with lyrics on it to each other. It just became special. Because here's the thing, before that moment, I I had heard that song, but now I knew that song. I knew it. Experientially, I, I was like, I, I know what he's saying because I'm experiencing that right now. Listen, here's my point. My guess is for some of you, you have songs like that. You probably do. There's probably songs that mean something to you. And listen, for those of us who follow Jesus, my guess is you probably have worship songs that way. I know I do. I have certain worship songs that when they start, man, it takes me right back to a moment of God's faithfulness in my life. And I just think, man, I don't just like that song. I know that song. I know that song. That song is a declaration of praise that I understand. You guys know what I'm talking about? And here in this psalm, look what David says. He says, man, I was in a tough spot. Now, I love, we don't know what he was going through. I love the poetic language he uses. I love this. It was a slimy pit. It was muddy and miry. Like, I love, what's he talking about? He's talking about that place. You guys know that place. That place where it's hard to get your footing. That place where it's difficult to get traction. That place where you can't see a way out and it's messy and it's muddy and you can't, and it feels like it's one step forward and two steps back and you don't know if you're ever gonna get out of it. Some of you are in that place right now. And here's what I love what David says. He says, I was in that place. He says, but God, God pulled me out of that and he put my feet on rock. I love that, you know, the relief of like, yes, finally something of substance that I can stand on. He's like, he put my feet on rock, but not only did God rescue him, look what he says. He says, not that God didn't just take me through that and then bring me back to the place I was before. He says, no, God took me through that and then he put my feet on rock and then he put a new song in my mouth a new declaration of praise. In other words, he says, I went through that. And because I went through that, there was a new dimension of God's faithfulness. There was a new aspect of God's character. There was a new way that I could understand and worship God that I didn't have before I went through that thing. And he says, so God taught me a new song. And you guys, when I read that, I just thought to myself, yeah, that's what I need. There's all this focus right now. You guys know it. There's all this focus on the new normal. The new, you guys hear people talk about that? The new, we gotta get ready for the new normal. We all need the new normal. The new normal's coming. Like I, I'll, just, I'll just tell you guys, I, I'm not real interested in all that. But I will tell you what I'm interested in. 
the new song, this new song that God is trying to teach us through this, a new dimension of his faithfulness, a new way to praise him, a new aspect of his character that we didn't understand before. I think for those of us who follow Jesus, we need to be tuning our heart to that. Listen, if you're a follower of Christ, I just wanna even ask you, maybe even just think about this, maybe even when we're worshiping later and we're singing, maybe even just think about this. Are there ways that you understand God's grace and character and love that you would not have understand or would not have experienced had it not been for these past 10 months? I think that's what we need to be tuning our hearts to. And so committed to learning this new song. And that leads me to the last thing. And the last thing is this, is I want to embrace the race that God's marked out for me. I just, I want to embrace this race that God has marked out for me. So this reflection came a few months ago. I was reading Hebrews, it's in the book of Hebrews. And it came across a very familiar and famous passage. Some of you uh, have heard this before. It's a very famous passage and understandably so because it's so amazing. He says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. It's a powerful passage. And one of the things that makes this passage so powerful to me is that it comes right after Hebrews 11. And so if you've never read Hebrews 11, it is, it is amazing passage of the Bible. And basically Hebrews 11, uh, here when he says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he's actually referring to what he said a chapter earlier. So in chapter 11, he actually lists um, over a dozen names of men and women who had incredible faith in God and who God rewarded because of their faith. And so he talks about like Abraham and he talks about Joseph, and he talks about Moses and Noah and Rahab, these men and women who had this unbelievable faith in God, even in the midst of trying situations. And here's what hit me when I was reading this that morning. What hit me was in chapter 11, you see all these men and women, and they're people who had the same faith. They had the same faith in the same God. They trusted God in the same way. But here's what hit me. They had remarkably different circumstances, very different. They all had a very unique race that was set in front of them. They had the same faith in the same God, but totally different circumstances. And then when you get to chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews says, think about them, think about them, think about that great cloud of witnesses. And then he says, and we should run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. And so this thought occurred to me as I thought, you know, there's a lot I don't understand about this. There's a whole lot I don't understand. There are so many theological um, complexities that I don't know how to make sense of in the midst of something like this. But can I tell you something that I do understand with absolute clarity and trust? Here's what I do understand. That for whatever reason, God has allowed and God has ordained that this year, 2020, would be the year that he would allow there to be a global pandemic. It's not outside of his control. That's not outside of his jurisdiction. Now, like I said, there's theological complexities behind that that I don't understand, but I do understand with 100% clarity that that is true. And because of that, listen, for those of us who follow Jesus, this is what this means. It means that God knew who his followers would be on this planet during this season. And that means that God knew that we would be his church 
in the midst of a time like this. Listen, if you're a follower of Christ, I want you to catch this. I hope it impacts you in the same way it impacted me. For those of us who follow Jesus, we get to be his representatives and we get to be his church in the midst of a global pandemic. There are followers of Jesus throughout history who did not have this same privilege and the same honor that we do to serve our king who suffered and served us and to serve other people in the midst of a time where hope is hard to find. We get to be salt and light in such a dark time. We get to do that. And I'm not saying that makes it easy. I'm not saying that negates the fact that it's challenging. But I am saying that for me, when I began to embrace this, what happened is it changed my mindset from one of pity to one of privilege. How privileged we are that we get to serve King Jesus in the midst of a time that's challenging and that's hard. And I just tell you, to me, what it did is I just thought to myself, God, I don't want to resent the race that you have marked out for me. I want to embrace the race that you've called me to. I don't want to be so focused on all of the challenge and the obstacles that I miss, the opportunities to make your name great and to point people to you. And so that's where God's leading me. That's what he's teaching me. This thought occurred to me when we were talking in our life group. You know, we were going through and we were all sharing our grades, A, B, C, D, F. It occurred to me, you know, I don't think it's God's desire that we're always A's all the time. I don't think that's the goal. I think that the goal is that God wants us to trust him and look more like him. And so because of that, I think that sometimes that means that he's gonna take us to the valley of the shadow of F. And I'll let you decide what F stands for. You can pick out that, but... Uh, but I, this, is what, this is what God's showing me so far. And of course, I want to tell you, I don't think God is done. I think there's still a lot that I need to learn. I don't think the new song that God is composing is finished yet. And I'm excited to see what it is. But my hope is that some of those things that have been giving me courage and strength would give you courage and strength. I don't know what you're going through, but hopefully some of those things would be perspective shifting for you as well. Now, listen, I know there's probably some of you who are here today or Maybe there's some of you who are watching right now and maybe you're investigating Jesus or maybe you're in a really rough spot and you might be thinking to yourself, okay, uh, thanks for sharing those thoughts. That's really great. And uh, you know, I know you're a pastor, so that's kind of what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to share like uh, optimistic things and pessimistic times, like that's what you're doing. And uh, you might be thinking, but come on, man, let's just be, let's just be real honest here. Let's get real. You might be thinking um, stuff like this, like Why? Why should I be willing to accept trouble from God? So you, you said you wanna be a person who doesn't just accept good from God, but also trouble. So why would you do that? You might be thinking stuff like this. How do I know that God's gonna pull me out of this thing? And how do I know he's gonna teach me? How You say that God's gonna do something good. He's gonna pull us out. He's gonna teach us something. How do you know that? How do you know that? Some of you might be saying, why should I embrace this race? Why should I embrace it and not wish it away or resent it? Why? Why would I do that? And basically, what you're, if, if you resonate with that, what you're actually saying is, how do I know I can trust God? Why should I trust God? And listen, can I just tell you, I actually think this is why Christmas is so unbelievably important. You guys, because Christmas, Christmas is a profound declaration of the trustworthiness of who God is. 
I think, I think in some ways, honestly, the stripping off of the normality of Christmas this year is actually somewhat helpful because it keeps us from focusing on all the trappings that surround Christmas and it helps us focus on the true meaning of Christmas because what is it that Christmas means? What does Christmas tell us? Well, can I just tell you a few things? At least it means this. Christmas is proof. Christmas is proof that God has not abandoned us. And I, be, I believe that because Christmas tells us that God has not abandoned us, it also is proof that God will not abandon us. What is it that we're celebrating at Christmas? We're celebrating that God himself came to be with us, that he is so committed to our good and he is so committed to our salvation that he entered into our mess and he entered into the human story to bring us to a right relationship with him. What that tells us is it means God has not left us. God has not abandoned us. And even in the moments where it seems like God is silent, he is not absent. He is not absent. Christmas tells us this. Christmas is proof that God loves us. See, Christmas, guys, Christmas doesn't just tell us what God did. Christmas tells us what God is like. What kind of God empties himself, humbles himself, lays aside his divine rights, to enter into the human story in such humble means as a baby. And through that, lives his perfect life in humility and then goes to the cross for the sins of humanity. You guys, that's not just what God did. That's what God's like. What kind of God does stuff like that? Only a God who's motivated by love. love. And Christmas tells us this. Christmas is proof that God can use humble means to accomplish eternal things. If you ever wondered, can God use challenging, difficult, um, uncertain times to accomplish purposes for himself? If you ever wonder that, just look at Christmas. Look at Christmas. And it will tell you that God can use the most uncertain things. He can use the most, the most challenging circumstances to bring about incredible glory. Just look at Mary and Joseph. Look at the anxiety that they faced. Look at the borrowed manger. Look at Mary and Joseph running from their life, from a paranoid King Herod who is trying to kill the newborn king. You tell me that wasn't a challenging, uncertain time, and yet look what God accomplished through that. If you ever wonder, can God use suffering and hardship to produce something good, just look at the cross. Look at the cross. Look at that act of injustice. Look at that act of, of evil. Look at, look at what happened. On the, look at the suffering and look at what God did with that. And if God can do something as amazing, if he can do something that good and bring about that much glory through such immense suffering, imagine what he could do with something like this. See, Christmas tells us everything we need to know, that we can trust God, that he loves us, and that he can use these things to accomplish eternal things. So let me just say, that if you're a person who's here today and you're investigating Christ, maybe you've never put your hope in Jesus. <laughs> Listen, why, why not today? Why not today? Uh, maybe you're searching for hope and quite honestly, it's hard to find. But can I tell you that Christmas tells us that hope actually came to search for you and that Jesus loves you so much that he spanned heaven and earth to bring you back to God and he has done everything to offer you that relationship. All you have to do is turn to him. You can just go to him today and there's nothing magical. You can just talk to him today and just say, Jesus, I wanna trust you and I wanna follow you. And you can begin walking with him. That's what Christmas is all about. And then listen, for those of us who do follow Jesus, I wanna just, throughout this series, the next couple of weeks, I wanna challenge you in a couple ways. And 
here they are. I wanna encourage you to keep your heart and keep your head in the hope that you have over the next couple of weeks. It's easy sometimes to displace our hope. So I wanna encourage you to do that. There's some ways that we've designed, by the way. If you go to our website right now, which is medinaeast.gracechurches.org, and you click on Share Christmas, we've actually designed a few things that are just helpful ways for you to keep your head and your heart in the hope that we have, right? And so one of the ways is we actually created a 12 Days of Christmas devotional guide. And so starting tomorrow for 12 days leading to Christmas, there's a daily scripture reading. You could do that like I was talking about. You could do that every morning if you wanted to. And it just helps you get your mind and your heart on Christmas. In addition to that, there's also an action idea that's given every day, things you can tangibly do to share the hope that you have. And so I'd encourage you to do that. Maybe you wanna grab that, go with it, go through that with someone, maybe with someone in your family or maybe with another person that you know. Maybe if you're not comfortable getting together in person, maybe you can do it over FaceTime, right? someone in your life group or something like that. It's a great way to do it. Also, if you want a physical copy of that, you can get it at the Welcome Center for those of you who are here in person. In addition, there's a, a phone wallpaper, just something you can add as kind of the, the screen on your phone that just simply says Christ with me. And it's just a, a subtle reminder every time you pick up your phone that, uh, that the hope of Christmas is that, that Christ is with you and that he can't, he's not abandoned you. And it's a simple reminder. You can download that, put it on your phone. And then we have actually put together a Spotify playlist, just Christmas songs that have on them, they articulate the hope that Christmas has. You can access that all on our website. I would encourage you to do that. Here's the second thing I'd encourage you to do is not just to keep your head and your heart in your hope, I also would encourage you to share hope this year. And like we said, for those of us who follow Jesus, we can be light in a dark time. And there's some ways you can do that again. If you go to our website, you can share Christmas Eve services with somebody. Christmas Eve has never been easier to share. We have online and in-person options and oftentimes it's a great way to, to share the gospel, the message of Jesus, the hope of Jesus with another person. Maybe it could even be a conversation starter with someone that you love. And then um, there's also some really cool things that we're doing in our community. So there's a December missions guide that's ways to pray, to serve, and to go, pray, give, and go uh, in our community and in our world. And then we're actually partnering with Love, Inc. this year, and we're doing some very special things as it relates to giving to that organization and how we are connected. All that's on our website. I would encourage you to, uh, to make use of that, all right? But I'd encourage you to, uh, as through this series, keep our hearts fixed on the hope that Christmas brings in Christ, and then to share that hope, to share that hope with others. Let's pray together. Well, God, I do just wanna say thank you that you were so dedicated to our salvation and you're so dedicated to, to us growing to be more like you, that, that you've come to, to us, that you've came to be with us. And that's what we're really celebrating in Christmas. And we're thankful for our family and we're thankful for the, the great things that you've given us, Father, but more than anything, we just wanna say thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you're so committed to us, God, that you came to be with us. God, would you help us to be people who trust you and who don't just accept that which we want from you, but that we also accept things that are challenging from you because we trust you and we believe that your purposes are just better than ours. And so help us to be people that are like that. Father, I pray that you would help us to embrace the new song you're teaching us, Lord. We don't, 
we don't understand all of what's behind this, but um, but Father, I believe and I trust that you're you're gonna reveal something about you that maybe we didn't see before, a new dimension of your grace, a new aspect of your love. I pray that even as we worship and sing today that you'd help us to worship with all of our hearts. And God, I pray you'd help us to embrace the race that you've given to us. Would we get to, for those of us who follow you, we get this incredible privilege of serving our king in the midst of a season like this. Help us not to miss that opportunity, God. Help us not to wish it away. We need your strength. We need your help for that. And so we do ask for that in Christ's name. Amen.